Now, we're going to do something a little bit different today because really in my heart, I wanted to immediately go into uh, preaching to you about praying in the spirit. But I felt like the Lord interrupt me. And, you know, this is his church, not my church. And he's the boss. I'm just an employee of him. And he said he wanted me to give you a little more lab time about how I pray. I can't give it all in one hour. I don't have time to tell you how I pray, but I got some basic things I'm going to share with you that could teach you how to pray the word into your life. So we're going to, now one thing I want to do as we're getting started, and I don't want you to read these while I'm preaching or I'll have the ushers take them back. Uh, If you have not received the baptism in the Holy Ghost or you're unsure about it, I would encourage you to raise your hand. You need both these books, Why Tongues? and how to receive the Holy Spirit. So lift your hands if you, because next week we're going to start talking about this. I'm going to teach you from my personal experience of how I received, and we'll be using a lot of scripture to validate everything. But if you feel like you need some help, I got these for you. They're free. I paid for them. Somebody did. The church did, but you know what I mean. Hallelujah. And we have some other materials maybe next week maybe be available to you also. So we're going to be doing some... uh, some lab work today, we're calling it. This is kind of lab, lab stuff, maybe we could say. Let's go to begin with uh, to Isaiah 43 and give you a little background of what we're talking about here. But I want to I talk to you about praying the word into your life. You, you just got to get this. And you know, let me just be fair to say it's taken me almost 50 years to know my Bible. And I don't know everything. I know some of you think I do, but I don't. I know a lot about some subjects because I teach on it, I meditate on it, I preach it, I get new revelation, and I always go back to the Bible. If you knew me, if you lived with me, you'd know that. I just, the Bible is my source. And you're going to have to get acquainted with your Bibles. Now, I know a lot of your electronic people, and that's fine. I just would encourage you to get a personal Bible with reading, words written out on it, and mark it up. I just think it would do you a world of good. I know I'm an old school dinosaur with that, but I've wore out plenty of Bibles. And I'll wear them out until I go home to be with the Lord. And when my kids got about 13, I sat them down and told them they were going to have to do the same. You have to get a Bible and wear it out and then buy another one and wear it out and get another one and wear it out and get another one and wear it out. And just keep doing that until you figure out what the Bible's really saying. Uh, some people call me a walking concordance. I don't think I'm that sharp, but I do know some things. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, I, I paid attention all these years. I paid attention to God first. People second or third, you know, but always God first. Yes. And everybody that I've ever listened to theologically, I judged them by the word of God, what they told me. And if they were wrong, I just stood it in the shredder. I forgot it. Or I didn't turn them on again and listen to them. And some people, you know, the TV preachers, sometimes they'll preach a message, want me to get up and dance. The next time I got to turn them off because they're full of nonsense. You could know something about one area and be right and be over here. You're totally messed up. So I'm not going to listen to messed up. Of course, you have to be spiritual in order to judge that. And, you know, everybody's on a different level, including me, than all of you. We're all on different levels when I say you have to be on a different level. Because if you're on this level, what you think is right right now may not be when you're on this level, (laughs) you know. Or that level. All right. Just, I'm just talking to you. I'm not mad at anybody. I want to help you. And, I, you know, I really want to talk about praying in tongues. But God said, no, I need to give you a lab time today. So just bear with me. Got a lot of scriptures. 
And if we don't get to them, I'll give them to you anyway. Or I can make a copy of this later and bring it back next week. But Isaiah 43, uh, verse 25 and 26. 26 is what we're after really. But I, even I, am he that blots out my that blots out my trans, thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins. That's a good scripture to remember. God blots out your own iniquities and my iniquities for his sake so he could deal with us as joint heirs with Jesus. It's Old Testament, but he still blots that out through his blood. Okay. And then verse 26, put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. What would that be referring to? His word. Let me read it again. Put me in remembrance, and I'm going to add this for your thinking because I'm right. Put me in remembrance of my word. I'm not going to tell him what Disney said. I'm not going to tell him what, you know, some other goofy show says or a movie I went to. Put me in remembrance of my word and let us, me and you, plead together. Declare thou or speak it that you may be justified or you may be made righteous or get your answers to the prayers you're praying because you put in remembrance of what he's already said about something. You you know, you don't want to be a person that's guessing when it comes to your prayer life. You need to be a person that has his word for it. Okay. So brother Hagen, he made this comment about this scripture, put me in remembrance of his word, put God in remembrance of his word, remind him of the blood, the name, our authority, his covenant, his promises and the power of the Holy ghost. Those who are mighty in prayer, are those who remind God of his word like a lawyer setting forth his case. See, you say, well, Father, you said thus and such. And then that's, that's solid. That's, the promises never fail. Like I said, maybe you tried to do that and weren't sure about it yet and it didn't work for you. You have to be sure about it. Get in the habit of believing what you're praying if you're praying the word. Now, if you make up stuff, then that may or may not come to pass. Depends on how accurate you are according to the principles of God's word. You can still be accurate and ask for something that's based on his word, but it's not specifically spelled out in his word. And you can still get it if you know what you're doing. But all that's going to take time. That's what I'm trying to say. You're not going to learn this overnight, but you better start. You better start if you want to be effective in prayer. I'd, I'd hate to be praying my whole life and wasting my time. <laughs> what a deal. Wasting all the energy and all those words for nothing. And that's why a lot of people do. They just talk and talk and talk and pray and pray and don't go to the Bible, don't know what the Bible says. You're just a wishing and a hoping. And guess what? It's not coming to pass. If you haven't figured that out yet, I don't know what to tell you. It's just not coming to pass. I'm not happy with just getting 1% accuracy. I'd like to go 100%. I may not be there yet, but I'm sure up there. Okay. Okay. I'm just talking to you. And here's another thing Brother Hagin said. Take time to get in the spirit before you make requests in prayer. You know, I don't have time to teach you an hour on worship. We did that this morning. If you were here and you were engaged like I was, you got into it. But you should always start your prayer time with some level of worship and praise and thanksgiving to God. Not just barge in the throne room. Hey, God, I need this. My kids need that. My wife needs that. My church needs that. What are you thinking? See, that's treating God like he's Walmart in the sky. Don't do that to him. I haven't got three hours to tell you how to do that, but you're going to have to learn to spend some time quietly by yourself with God and listen to him and talk to him and worship on him a little bit and love on him a little bit. I mean, he is the one that's giving you breath to breathe. 
And if we have a brain, he gave us that. Our bodies are healed and he gave us that. And if they're not healed, he didn't give us that, but he could give us healing for our impairments. But spend, so I'm not spending a lot of time on that, but I'm just putting this at the forefront of what I'm teaching you. You can pray the word, but you need to love on God a little bit. You know, I don't like people to try to pimp me because they think they can get money out of me or they think I got the answer. I'm willing to help people with answers, but I don't like to be played. People that play me irritate me. You get played? Oh, yeah, sure I do. All the time. And God doesn't like that either about us. He, he wants a relationship with me and you personally. If you don't have a good marriage, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you've got to have a personal relationship with your mate if you're going to have a good marriage. You can't just have sex and have a great marriage. That ain't going to cut it. Smooching wears out after a while. You want to go back to it later, but you don't, you don't just live on a smooch. You don't just live on holding hands. That's all sweet and good, but you've got to be a little deeper than that. Especially if you're going to stay. All right, I'm just, I'm just throwing a lot of stuff at you, but if you don't spend personal time with God and learn Him and know Him, then your prayer life will probably never go very high, period, because you're just pimping Him. He's merciful to us. My God, he, we're in the new covenant. Mercies abound every day now for this period of time, this dispensation of grace. Oh, my God, you stepped in office. You didn't belong in the Old Testament. You died right on the spot. I know a lot of preachers aren't in God's will, but that's between them and God. I just perception, my perception is they don't know because they're confused. And believers alike. Figure out where you fit and stay there and get, get settled there. And don't let something I say offend you. That's the worst thing you're going to do. You might as well go sit in the car if you're going to be offended because I'm just a straight shooter. I'm not shooting straight to harass you. I'm shooting straight because I only got 45 minutes to get this out. Sure. I haven't got a whole, you know, we only have one public service a week right now. But you need to take the time to get in the spirit. And that comes through loving on him, worshiping him. If you have a good music tape that's full of the word, that'd be helpful. I don't use a lot of music takes, period. It's just me personally. But if you have one, you like it and it helps you, that's fine. And maybe you need that. Take it and use it. Whatever helps you get in the spirit. But you're going to have to spend some time just fellowshipping with him. And thanking him for all the breakthroughs you've made. All the times he's rescued you when you know you were in disobedience. And you knew you did wrong and you didn't repent about it. And he still bailed you out. I'm talking about me right now, and I think it fits your shoe too. You want me to tie it for you? Okay. <laughs> just listen to me. It'll become more precious as we talk. Here's another quote. Just, I didn't say who said it. To be much for God, we must be what, much with God. See, in order to really be effective in our daily life, you've got to spend time with God. Not just time with your mate or time watching TV or something else. Brother Hagin said this, at the time you pray, God sends the answer. Believe that. When you pray it, if it's the Bible, believe it. Believe it's coming to pass, right? We just sang it. Didn't we just say something like that? It will come to pass in his name, in his name. Well, you need to start saying that. Okay, and then Rachel Tifa Tiller, she's went to heaven now, bless her heart. She's a wonderful prayer person. 
I used to have some tapes, but I don't have those anymore. I don't know what I did with them. Donna, you might have some hit away or Dale, but says, she says, the way to walk in the spirit is to watch what you say, watch what you hear and keep your spiritual antenna up. Now, I don't know if you know what I mean by that. You know, you got an antenna on the inside of you. Just put it up, see if you get any reception. Either with God or other people, sometimes you figure out what's going on with somebody. Not everything, but you will know a little bit. How many are listening to me? She was a skilled prayer person. We, we, even got any, we haven't even talked about praying in tongues, much less I could spend 35, 50 hours on praying in tongues. But we're talking about praying the word today. And I'm going to got some specifics I'm going to get into with you. But I want to say that one, what Rachel said, the way to walk in the spirit is to watch what you say, not just at church, not just in the foyer, but what you say at work when a guy frustrates you and you'd like to give him what for, or your boss frustrates you. That's going to separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls. And watch what you hear. Be careful not to watch things that grieve your spirit. That'll dull your antenna. You know, there's some places in the country you drive through and you can't get reception because there's no antenna going to pick you up where you're at in that valley. And in some countries, they don't even have antennas in some parts of it. You don't pick it up. You have to have a satellite phone to get through. So watch what you hear and keep your spiritual antenna up and receive things from him by doing that. But he can also show you things to come by the Holy Ghost. Anyway, that's just a couple little little comments I, I wanted to share with you. So we're talking about, so let's go over to 2 Corinthians now, chapter 6. I'm just in the preliminary part of this, so give me a few minutes and we'll get running on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 1, says, We then as workers together with Him. I want to show you that you're working together with God when you're praying. It's not just me praying. I mean, you know, I wouldn't get very far as just me, but I'm working together with him. This, and I'm going to say something that's important if you write it down or at least get what I'm saying. God's word is his part of our prayer life. I got a part over here and he's got a part. And when I get my part in this and then speak this and pray that, pray his word or something based on a principle in his word, then he responds to that. Not sometimes, all the time. Okay, so what we're saying is God's word is his part of our prayer life. And these are scriptures I'm reading to you today and talk to you about. Scriptures for prayer and meditation. The older I get, the more I meditate on the word. I didn't do that so much when I was young. I think I was too driven to take the time to do that. But the older I get, the more I spend time meditating on the word of God. That means I go somewhere and I get quiet. In my car is a preference place. I do have CDs in there from Dr. Dufresne and a few other people, not many. But uh, bestly, just turn off everything. I never listen to the radio. I haven't listened to the radio my whole life. That's out. I never listen to it. So, but I like it to be quiet. And I like to take a verse and just mull it around inside of myself and then ask God questions about this if I don't understand the clarity of what he's trying to get over. What I'm trying to show you is you're not praying by yourself ever. You have to have somebody who's got the power to bring it to pass, and you don't. <laughs> Let's just get that. You don't. I don't. But through God's word and his, 
by the leading of the Spirit, quickening certain scriptures for me to pray. And these are just outlines. I'm going to give you some things here that I thought would help you a little bit. So these are all critical. There's probably 50 who would have been critical, but I didn't have three hours to teach you and you didn't have three hours to sit here. So let's just talk about it. First of all, health and healing. Go to Psalm 107 with me. Psalm 107. I'd like you to write these down, even if you're you can't write and uh, take notes too. At least write the scriptures down. Psalm 107, verse 1, 2, and verse 20. Psalm 107. I'm talking about health and healing. These are some primary scriptures that I meditate on, that I confess, that I declare before God on a regular basis. And I go back over them regularly, and I go in other translations when I, I can do that. And I can't do that when I'm driving, of course, but if I'm sitting and I have access to other things, I've got a thing on my phone with different translations even. Health and healing. So this is what it says. These are scriptures you should know and begin to be fellowshipping with them. You know, if I like being around somebody, I like to fellowship with them. Pastor Diane, I was her roadie. I took her to the meeting, took care of her book and tape table did everything she said. <laughs> but my free time was spent with Dr. Rogan because we fellowship. And he's a good one to fellowship with. So we had a great precious time. We ate some meals together, talked together, different things. Psalm 107, verse 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures sometimes, forever. So, see, that's a good scripture to start you in a prayer mode. Father, I give you thanks for your goodness to me. You're so sweet. You're so excellent. You have so touched my life. You have so, and I'm praying now. I'm just giving you an example. And you have so ministered to me. And Jesus, you changed everything. You know, when I was a full-blown drug addict, a drug dealer, I was happy. I was dying, but I was happy. But then I started falling apart after so much drugs and so much partying. And I said, God, I need help. I, I don't know how to get back on track. Because when you live like a drug addict for three years, you become a different human being. Your mind gets changed. Your thoughts get changed. Your convictions get changed. And you become a very dangerous person to be around. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> I realized that at the end. I'm either going to get killed or shoot somebody or something's going to happen. I just buried five of my friends the last year. I'm not saying it's for a dramatic effect. I'm trying to tell you what I said when I came to God. God, I need your help. I didn't know how to pray. All I said is, God, I need your help. And the preacher prayed with me up front, though, at the altar, you know. But it says here, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's a pretty long time, forever's ever, okay? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy or out of the control. That's a better way to say it. When he uses the hand in the Bible, sometimes it says the hand of the Lord came on him. That means the anointing came on him in the Old Testament. Or sometimes in Ezekiel it says his hand was heavy upon me. He had a heavier anointing at times than others. But this is talking about the hand of the enemy, the authority of the enemy. He's redeemed me, delivered me, listen to me, from the hand of the enemy. And I need to say that. I'm delivered from you, Satan. You're, you're, you don't have any authority over me. I resist you. You got to go. You're not a part of my life anymore. I resist you. Every frontier you show up in, I'm going to box your ears. I'm going to kick you, bite you, hurt you. I'm going to throw the word at you until you run off because I know you're scared of it. Yes. You're not just scared of Michael P., but you're scared of the word in Michael P. Because yes. I put it on you stiff and hard. He tries to remind me about my past. Say, let me remind you about your future, buddy. 
There's an angel going to throw a chain around your neck and throw you in the pit. And he don't want to hear that. He runs off because he's a baby. Like a lot of people I know, he's a baby. He just runs away from confrontation. But I'm telling you, you could take, listen to what I'm saying here. Now in verse 20, this is where I'm getting to, health and healing. He sent his word and healed them. Notice it didn't say he sent his word to heal them. In God's thinking, he sent his word and it healed us. End of discussion. We need to get on God's page. I sent you my word to heal you and not only that, to deliver you, listen to this, from your own destructions. You know, the problem with the body of Christ is their destructions, their destructive behavior, their destructive thinking, their destructive talking, and the way they live is tearing up their own life. And it's self-induced most of the time, and they don't even see it. (laughs) You listen to me, I can help you. If you don't, you're just headed for more trouble. I can guarantee it. This is no days to say, well, I don't think I like that part. I don't want to be committed to study like Dr. Jacobs does. I didn't ask you to study like I do. I'm trying to share with you how to pray and be accurate. I would think you'd be thankful and more excited about this a little bit. You're just staring at me like, oh, God, he just stepped on both those feet. Ow. No, you're going to have to say, I'm redeemed, and you sent your word, and it healed me, Father. Talk like that back to him. You sent your word, and you healed me, and you delivered me from my destruction. And if you know of one he delivered you from, you might rehearse it. I'm sorry I thought like that. I'm sorry I said that. I'm sorry I saw that. I'm sorry I went to that party. I'm sorry. (laughs) And you're still working with me. I'm talking about myself, but I'm talking about you and everybody else that lives the way they live sometimes. You've got to be careful and guard yourself. Remember, Rachel, watch what you hear. (laughs) And I'd add this, watch who you hang out with. You become just like them. All right, so we're talking about health and healing. You want to be healed? You're going to have to say, I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And quote that, because the devil don't like that. It's like slapping him. Yeah, I'm redeemed from you. Get out of here. I'm redeemed from you. Get out of here. He won't take a couple and he'll run off. He gets his red face. He's a bully. I've taught you that well. He's just a bully. He's just a big mouth. But when it comes to the real living, he don't stand up very good. And you're going to be surprised someday when you see him as he really is. And the Bible tells us, I think it's Isaiah, is that the one that made the earth to tremble and make it like a wilderness? Oh, my God, what was I afraid of? He's such a punk. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if punk goes over with you, but I like that term. (laughs) Anyway, Proverbs 4, we're still talking about health and healing. i got to get through this. You're going to have to say amen once in a while. Take a breath, breathe. It's all right, breathe. You're okay. I'm going to help you. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 23. My son or daughter, attend to my words. You know, back in the country, they had a saying, I got to attend to this. Like a farmer, I got to attend to my cows. Because if you got cows, they have to be milked twice a day, if I remember right. I was never a farmer, but I had an uncle that was. And you got to milk those cows. And you can't just run off on vacay. Unless you get somebody else to milk them for you. But what it's saying is you got to attend to something. People say, no, I can't stop and talk right now. I got, I'm going somewhere. I need to get to this person. There's a problem I need to get to. And you would understand that if I said, I got to run. I got to call this emergency. I got to attend to that. That's what God is saying to me and you as sons and daughters to him. We got to attend to his words. You've got to put the word first place in your life. It has to be a priority. You've got to love the word. Let's like you love him because he is the word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, John 1, 14. That means this Bible can become flesh and blood to me. When we're talking about being healed, that healing will get in me and so saturate me that it just permeates every pore of my body and every cell of my body and all the functions of my body. Yeah. So I got, it says, attend to my words, incline your ear into my sayings. It's important to hear what you're hearing every day. So, you know, I don't know what you use. You may have iPads. I don't know what all you have. You have everything on your phone practically anymore. You know, when I travel, I have a paper, a paper ticket but most of the guys have phones and gals, they do it, beep, beep, let, the, let you on the plane, beep, beep. I don't do that because I just don't want to fool with that. But anyway, nonetheless, people just, see what you've got, you've got to hear stuff, the right stuff. You've got to hear the right stuff and hear it all the time. Let your ears hear the right thing. And let them not depart from your eyes. So that means this is why I think it's important to have a, Regular Bible, you could have, a, I, you know, whatever you use them. If you use a technical piece of equipment, I don't know what they're all called. But you're looking at the Word. Let your eyes fall on those words and let your eyes follow and read that. I just was broke in with a, a Bible, a regular Bible. So that's what kind of where I'm stuck. And I appreciate it now. <laughs> it says, keep them in the midst of your heart. How do you keep them? You've got to say them. I think it's Psalm 15. I'm not going to go there because of time, but Psalm 15 is four or five verses, only the whole chapter. It says you speak the truth in your heart. You speak it in there. So once you attend to the word and you let it get in your ear and you look, look at it with your eyes, you let those words get in you constantly by saying those words like, I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and you sent your word and healed me and delivered me from my destruction. See, I'm rehearsing what I just taught you. And then it says, for they are life unto those that find them. You've got to look for them. Like Brother Hagin says, you could find some, maybe some stuff in the gold rush on top of the ground out west. But if you really wanted to mine for it, you're going to have to have a pick and a shovel and a, a wheelbarrow and a seine to, you know, take to do that. Some of these shows on TV have people doing it with big equipment. They put it in big seines. You know what a seine is? It lets things through, but the gold stays up. Lets the dirt and debris fall through. So, but see, you're going to have to dig for that. Just what, same for the Bible. You're going to have to dig in there. If you just read your Bible casually, it's just a casual thing to you. But if you read it because you want to live yeah. and you want God's life in you and you want God's life in your marriage and your children and your grandchildren and you want God's life in you when you go to work with some of those heathens. Yeah, yeah. For they are life unto those that find them. And let me see what else it says. And health to their all their flesh. I, I've taped in two translations at the bottom of my page here. The lesser translation, he was a Hebrew scholar, and to all his body a healing. The Bible is a healing to all my body, all your body, every organ, every tissue, every cell, every nerve. <laughs> We're starting to have a lot of people get healed just being in meetings. They didn't even come forward for prayer. And we're having a lot of people get healed and the power of God moves on them. And then, you know, the next day they're totally well. See, and here the Rotherham's my favorite though. I'm still reading from verse 22, the latter part. To every part of one's flesh, they bring healing. God's words to every part of my flesh, they bring healing. Every part of my flesh. Whatever function I have need of, or if it's malfunctioning, I need to speak to that organ. Now, you've got to function right. I'm commanding you to function correctly in the name of Jesus. 
And sometimes you may have to stay with things for a period of time. God knows you sure spent a lot of money at the doctors. I know I did. When I hurt in my side, I told you that before I put $20,000 on a credit card because I didn't have the money to pay except through credit. I wasn't going to lie to the insurance company because I have integrity because I had a prior condition. You do read that. You know they don't want you to do that to them. You're, you're pimping them. Then you're playing with them. Remember pimping me? They're pimping the insurance people. So don't do that. Don't be a liar. That's more like the devil does. He's a liar and the king of it. Chief one and a pride. So to every part of one's flesh, they bring healing. You may not get it initially, but you'll get it eventually if you stay with the word. You tend to the word. And you get your, your ear to hear the word correctly. Somebody is teaching like I'm teaching you the truth here. And get this CD or I know it'll be on a podcast. I'm not giving no free tapes away anymore. I'm, I'm done with saying that. So just figure it out. Podcast. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah. Or whatever. And so, you know, we're just talking to you here. He says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So you got to guard your heart there. Now let's go over to Romans 8. I'm still talking about health and healing. I'm going to have to step this up a little faster. And I'm not trying to rush you. I'm just trying to rush me so I can get as much in as I can with you. Romans 8 and 11 is one of my favorite scriptures. I know it was one of Jacob's. And my grandson over here was named Roman for this scripture. But if the spirit of him that raised, 811, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead, who would that be? The Holy Spirit dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Quicken means to make alive. You know, if you cut your fingernail into the quick, it's going to hurt. That's what, that's what quick means. It's alive down in there. If you cut it too short into the flesh, it hurts. <laughs> you got to put some Neo on it and a Band-Aid for a day. But it says, that uh, says raised from the dead that Christ was raised from the dead will also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies. That's the one I'm wearing now. You know, when I get to heaven, I got an immortal body. It'll live forever. But it says this will quicken my mortal body. That's the one I got on, which means subject to death. Eventually it's going to wear out or I'm going to leave it. I don't have use for it. But while I'm in the earth, I want my mortal body quickened by the spirit that dwelleth in you. There's a spirit already dwelling in you if you've received the Holy Spirit and you're born again that's alive with God's power. He's in there to quicken your mortal flesh. If you just begin to speak to him, I'm believing you today, Holy Spirit, to quicken my body. Make me sharp in my mind. Help me function all the functions that I have as a man. And if you're a woman, as a woman, you say that. All the parts to work right. All the things to function. All the hormones to be balanced perfectly. Or whatever else you need to say to yourself. Talk to yourself about your own body and say the spirit in me, the great spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus, he's dwelling in me and he's quickening my physical body today to function correctly. Of course, if you get push yourself, you'll get tired. If you're tired, lay down. If you get tired, take a nap. If you get tired, take a rest. Nothing wrong with that. That's another problem people got. They're just pushed. I don't know. I used to be that way. I'm not so much anymore, but... Well, you couldn't talk to me about doing that when I was 30. I would have slugged you probably. No, really, I was just, what are you, lazy outfit? See, that's the way I thought. And I've had to mellow a little bit over the years, and God had to deal with me. I was about 49. I took a nap one day, and I said, well, that's pretty good. I think I like that. <laughs> I don't remember ever taking a nap my whole life. I was almost 50. 
anyway. So, you know, you've got to balance things with some common sense. Hate to tell you that that's an important issue, common sense. I'm not sure people have it much anymore in the earth, but common sense is. But here's something supernatural. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, you think about that. He went to hell, but his body was laying up there in the tomb. And the Spirit of God came and energized him and caused his body to raise up healed in, in, in hell. He did bear all of our sicknesses and diseases. <laughs> and he grabbed the keys away from the devil and kicked him in the head. Yeah, which, which Genesis talks about. There's coming one that's going to, it says he'll bruise your head, but it, the Hebrew says he'll destroy your lordship over man to Satan. He said, I'm sending one that's going to destroy your lordship. That's why ever since the book of Genesis, the book of beginning, every prophet that was born, Satan was on Valium. He was scared, you know what, out of his gourd thinking this could be the one. And he persecuted the prophets. He killed everyone he could get his hands on. Of course, some of them, God preserved them. You know, you know, there's scriptures, don't touch his anointed, don't menace, don't touch his anoint, don't touch his prophets, do him no harm. Well, God's got a special thing about that. I'm just telling you. So if you don't like me, keep your mouth off of me. Just warning you, not threatening you, but just warning you. you know, I'm not going to pray against anybody. But you want to get in trouble, you start picking on his prophets who are his friends, <laughs> you get in big trouble. I've already studied it out. I just don't want to do that. I don't talk against people like that. All right, moving right along. You still with me? Yes, I'm still talking about health and healing. I have three more scriptures. I'm going to have to move ahead. Let's go to safety and provision. Let's go to Psalm 91. These are areas that I think everybody thinks about or should think about in their life if you want to live a safe life and you want to be preserved. Is there anybody here who doesn't want to be safe and preserved? Lift your hand. I'll pray for you to have a brain. No, everybody wants to be preserved. Everybody wants to be kept safe. But you're not going to do it just through the state police or the local law officials or because you wear a seatbelt. Wear your seatbelts. Drive the speed limit. But if you think that's all there is to being preserved, you're sadly mistaken. Okay, because we're living in a very vicious world today, if you haven't figured that out. And it's not just over somewhere else, like Afghanistan or Syria. There's just weird people and crazy people and demon-possessed people, and they don't care about life. They have no respect for life. Even our own country, we kill our own children. Judgment's coming. I'm just telling you, I just know what I know. You can make fun of me all you want, but when it comes, you'll say, yeah, Dr. Jacob told me that. Okay, I'm just telling you. And there's a big controversy in our country today about life. People don't even understand that life is valuable. Life is divine. God gives the spirit of every child. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'll get off my high horse. All right. Now, we're in Psalm 91. This is a, probably one of the most important documents that you could read for safety. I've got a lot of New Testament scriptures too, but I want to read this to you. Verse 1, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Now, why would this be so important? Because it's all about being kept. It's all about being safe. And I want to read the first part because that qualifies the person for the rest of the psalm. That's one thing you need to realize. When you read scriptures, read around it, read before it, read after it. Make sure you're, quali you're qualifying for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, not he that cometh to church. 
coming to church is part of that because you come to learn and grow. And when we have teachers and preachers like myself, like Pastor Jordan or Pastor Diana, she was up ministering to us today. He that dwelleth in the secret place, you're in a place of intimacy with God. You're not just a casual visit to throne room. I got to go, bye. You know, I, I need $500, bye. I need $20, bye. That's a poor way to live and poor way to act towards your heavenly father. You, he would bless you and take care of that for you, but you need to be loving on him and talking to him and having a relationship with him. Hallelujah. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Amplified, I think, I have an Amplified here right away. Let me see if I can find it. I think it says, who's, it says, uh, uh, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty whose power no foe can withstand. There's no foe could come against that power that's on you when you're in the secret place with the Most High because His wings are covering you. And the devil can't get through that. Woo, I like it. And then he says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. I won't say, how am I ever going to get out of this? I can't believe you let this happen to me, Father. Oh, you're blaming the wrong one. <laughs> no, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. 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 See, you're, you're making declarations to God because you're in that secret place and you know him. And you're knowing him as your fortress. You're knowing him as a refuge. You're knowing him as a place you go and you're kept safe. Yeah. And then he says, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, that be the enemy, and from the noisome pestilence. And he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings thou shalt trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. A buckler is just a smaller shield. There were bigger sword shields that covered the whole body. Then there was a smaller one they held with one hand and used the, the sword in the other or whatever. They're both shields. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. I remember standing on that after 9-11. That verse 5. And I said to the father, if a terrorist thinks he's going to blow this plane out of the air, stick your finger in the front end of that bazooka and let it blow his arm off. Do you really say that? Yeah, I really said that. I'm a covenant person. Or let an angel stick his finger in the front of that and it just blows half his body off. I whatever it takes to protect me, that's what's going to happen. That's what I'm thinking. You sound ruthless. No, I just sound right. What's the matter with you? You should sound right. We don't want anybody to die, but that's their decision. If they're going to take life, they got to, there's consequence for that. And I, I just prayed this one time, verse 5. I got on an airplane right after 9-11. I was scheduled to go to South America. Nobody's talking. Nobody's friendly. Everybody's uptight. Yeah, I mean, right after, like three days after 9-11. And everybody's jumpy. I just got on the plane and read Psalm 91 quietly to myself and believed God for all this to happen. The guy in 1A got up, got his briefcase, went around where the stewardess sits. That whole first class jumped to their feet. They were going to beat the you-know-what out of him. I just stayed seated. I didn't need to do that. I just knew God was protecting me. I think the guy was just on medication or something. But, I mean, that first class, they just, everybody unsnapped and jumped up and ran towards him. 
I didn't see any fish fly, but I'm sure they would have if he'd have pulled something out of that briefcase. And the stewardess was sweet. She said, sir, you're not supposed to be up here. Get back to your seat. <laughs> Hello? Yes. Learn to walk with God, not with terrorism. You know, the Bible guarantees you don't have to yield to terrorism in Isaiah 54. It's far from terror. So I figure if, if, if everybody on the plane wants to be afraid, I'm not. I'm in faith. I'm believing for you to get all of us there safely. I'll believe for them. You know what I mean? You know, a Texan guy got on there one time, had a belt buckle as big as a hubcap, had a pair of boots that cost more than my whole suit and briefcase. And he was just shooting his mouth off how rich he was and how wealthy he was. And the plane got ready to taxi out. And he goes, what are you doing? He had his hands on the side of the thing, gripping it. I said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, could you, could, you, could you include me? I said, yeah, you big baby, shut up. No, I didn't say that. I wanted to say that, though. You shoot your mouth off about being expensive, having all kinds of, you know, uh, boots on that cost $5,000 and a briefcase that costs eight. And he just on and on he went. And finally he just, we're going to take off. So he's freaked out about getting ready to taxi to take off. And I said, you want me to include you in this? He said, yeah, would you? I said, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and I prayed with him, you know. Hallelujah. But I'm thinking, you big baby. <laughs> Shut all that stuff up, you pride person. Yeah, you're just trying to impress everybody. Anyway, this goes down through here, uh, verse 7. A thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. That sounds like pretty powerful stuff to me. How about you? Now get over the terrorists, okay? Just come back to me a little bit. You know. Only with thy eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Well... Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation or my habitat. That's where I stay. I stay with him. I stay, try to stay close to him. That's what it's saying. You know, I may mess up occasionally. I try not to, but I try to stay close to him. How many know what I'm saying? There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. In how many ways? All your ways. They that bear the, they will bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. They'll tread upon, you'll tread upon the lion and the adder, that's a snake, the young lion and the dragon, that's demonic powers. Thou shalt trample under your feet, because he set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I'll answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. Didn't say you wouldn't have some trouble, but he'll be with you in it, and I will deliver him and honor him. He's going to deliver me out of that trouble. It's just momentary hiccup, but you're going to get on the other side of it. Yeah. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's a wonderful scripture. You like it? I like it a lot. Let's go back to Psalm 34. I'm still talking about safety, safety and preservation. I'm going to have to hurry up, though. I know you want to hear the rest of this. I got some other things here, how to sleep well, how to get over depression, how to get over worry. Worry's a killer. Uh, Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him and delivereth them. But I want to read it from the Passion Translation. It was such a good rendering, I taped it in my Bible. The angel stooped down to listen. I'm still reading Psalm 34, 7. The angel stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. 
And this will he do for everyone who fears God. So part of the quality of that scripture is that I'm reverent toward God. Now, when I say I'm reverent towards God, that don't mean when Amsey or somebody says, lift your hands up, that's what I'm doing. I am going to do that if he says that if they're not up, but that's not just worshiping God. I'm worshiping God when I worship his word. I have reverence for, towards his holy Bible. This is God's word to me. I mean, it's equally to you, but that's not the point today. It's my word to me. See, you've got to get this personal. What's made you successful, Dr. Jacobs? Well, I would say being quick to forgive people for doing me wrong and quick to repent when I've done wrong. Those two things right there have kept me in a lot of settings. And I've had a lot of both at times. I haven't always been this stable. I've worked on me. I can tell from your reaction, you don't, you're just looking at me. But I've worked on me a lot. And God let the Holy Ghost work on me and tweak me and correct me and receive the correction. And stop being an up and down, in and out Christian. All excited one day and down for depression the next four. Come I on. stopped living like that a long time ago. Come on. I used to love living like that because I didn't know any better. I thought that's the way you functioned. Mm-hmm. Come from a family of dysfunctions. I know you're not going to tell off on your parents and grandparents, but we just know better. You may have had good parents. I had good mom and dad. But see, we're talking about being a word person now. We're talking about praying the word into your life. You begin to pray these things. And then how about 2 Timothy? Let me just give you this. 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 18. The 16th verse says, a lot of men forsook me and don't lay it to their charge. So Paul is in forgiveness when he says, the Lord shall deliver me, which is my favorite scripture. You know, one of them, 2 Timothy 4, 18. The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me unto the heaven and kingdom. But he starts out in verse 16 of 2 Timothy 4, saying, I'm forgiven all those people that have mistreated me. And just a couple verses before that, he talked about Demas forsook me, having loved this present world. I've had plenty of people leave me to go out in the world. (laughs) I don't want to live like you. Well, I'm I'm trying to help you. Have at it all you want out there, but it's just damnable and destruction out there. I can tell you before you bump up against the wall. And you're not going to bust through it with your willpower. Or your tenacity towards me. It's not going to help you out there. Somebody's going to bust you up. (laughs) I can tell you right now. You know what I'm saying? You don't act like you know what I'm saying, but I I believe you do. Because, you know, Peter, here's another scripture. I'm talking about safety still. 1 Peter 1, 2 through 5, verse 5 says, We're kept by the power of God through our faith. God knows how to keep us when we have faith in him to keep us. What does that word mean? Keep, keep us safe. Keep us preserved. Keep us from the enemy. How many are listening? Yes. You, you have a right to be kept. And you should stand on those kind of scriptures. And, uh, you know, verse, uh, verse 2 of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 through 5 says the sprinkling of the blood and obedience. So there's another issue. That the blood of Jesus has been sprinkled on us and cleansed us. And through our obedience to the scriptures, as best we know how, we obey. And that keeps us in good standing with the Father. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go on here. Soundness of mind. This is an important one. 2 Timothy 1.7. Let me just tell you what it says. It says, God's not given us a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. But a power and love and a sound mind. 
And a sound mind means a sound mind. A sound mind means a sound mind. A sound mind doesn't mean a dysfunctional mind. A sound mind means a sound mind. <laughs> the, the Greek says, and the Amphite bears that out, a calm and well-balanced mind. Not because of my hormones, but that could be an issue, but in some cases, but not many. But a calm and well-balanced mind because my mind is renewed to the Word of God. My soul area is my mind, my will, my emotions. See? God said he's not given us a spirit of fear, so I need to get rid of all the fear in my life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24 says, God sanctify you wholly, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body until he comes. I know people read that and they think, well, when Jesus comes, we're all going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. That's not what that says in Thessalonians. It says until he comes. He's going to keep my spirit. My spirit's reborn. You're, if you're in Christ, your spirit's already born again. And God lives in there. He's recreated you. You're a new creature in Christ, right? But then your soul is the way you think and you process things, your emotional makeup and your will to do certain things or not do other things. And so that could be kept sound too. And when you get those two working together, your body naturally will be kept too. Are you listening to me? Let's go to uh, Matthew 11. I want to read this scripture to you. Just It was the scripture I got saved on, Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And uh, I don't even know if the preacher told it, but somehow God got it over to me that night, this scripture. And I just told my mother that I just felt like I was a 50-year-old guy and I was only 21 at the time because I'd done so much stuff and not good stuff, being a drug addict. But this is the scripture came to me while the preacher was preaching. I think he quoted it, but I'm not sure. Because I had a, a supernatural experience that night when I went to church. I went to a youth meeting because the girl I like, she couldn't go anywhere that, but there with me. You know, because her parents knew about me. How many understand what I'm saying? My mother would turn in my name to the prayer people on Wednesday night prayer meeting. And so other people in the church that came regularly, they knew who Michael Jacobs was. I'm a drug dealer. I'm a drug addict. I'm one of the town drug dealers. So I wanted to date their daughter. Well, you could, you know, I have a little girl. She's over here now. Uh, she's not a little girl anymore. She's a lady, but <laughs> I didn't realize that initially. But then I realized when I had my little baby girl, why that dad was so in intimidating to me. You're not allowed to go anywhere with her except church. You can't even be in our home. If we come home, you're here and we're not here. You're, that's the last time you're ever going to see her. Yes, sir. So I stuck by their rules. But anyway, she liked, she wanted to go to this youth meeting. She's 18, I'm 21. And I show up at this East Dayton Baptist Church, a youth meeting, youth revival. Guy preaches. And this scripture came to me, verse 28, Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Man, that's what I knew I needed rest. I needed, I mean, rest, not just a nap. I mean, I needed some help. And the, the Greek says here, uh, I will give you, I will refresh you. The Moffat translation says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your soul. Now, first you get rest spiritually in your spirit. But then if you learn about Jesus, like I'm teaching you today, see, I'm teaching you the Bible on prayer, you're learning about Jesus, and that causes rest to come to your soulish realm, your mind, your will, and emotions. Boy, did I ever need that. 
And of course, it takes time to learn about Jesus. You know, I'm in a denominational church. All they knew was what they knew. All they knew was this much. When you couldn't put in this room all that I know today. But that's all they knew and that's all they preached. And that's all you could get there. I'm not making fun. That's just all they had to offer. <laughs> either they were scared to teach it or didn't believe it or either way they were wrong because I could have got a lot further quicker, but that's all they had, what this Kleenex box contains. That's it. Not the table it sets on, just the box. So I had to learn about him. And watch this, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, if what you're doing in Christ is not light and easy, it's probably not him. <laughs> he said it'd be light and easy to follow him, didn't he? Oh, wow, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I just think that's really... Amazing scripture right here. And it's how I got saved. And he said, if you, don't, if you don't think you know Jesus, bow your heads and ask him. So I said, Father, I just bowed my head back on a pew. Father, do I know you? And he said, no, you don't. You just know about me because your mom brought you up in church. But you come forward tonight in this service right now. You get up and go forward and give your life to me and I'll put your life back together. I mean, just like it happened yesterday, I'm talking to you. That's what he said to me. <laughs> I got up and marched forward. She didn't. She was already saved, but I wasn't. See, I grew up in the Baptist church. I could have been saved, but I never made the connection really properly. And so I came forward with those teenagers that night, bowed my head and prayed up front with the preacher. Mike Melendez is his name, the preacher. And I gave my life to him. My life's never been the same since. Amen. Let's talk about a few other things. You okay? I'm quoting a lot of scripture. I'm giving you the references. How about sleeping? Anybody have an interest in knowing how about sleeping? Okay, how about Psalms 3 and verse 5? I'm going to read those to you quickly if I can get there in time. Psalms 3 and 5. I laid me down and slept. You could claim that every night. I lay down and sleep and I wake for the Lord sustained. You're not going to die in your sleep. You could push it that far if you want or beyond that. But <laughs> that's what that says and I'm going to wake. When I'm done sleeping, verse, chapter 4, verse 8. These are all sleeping scriptures. Like, a mess, a, you know, what was the guy's name? Captain Hook. What was his name? Captain Hook. Captain Hook. Came with the kids. Yeah. You remember him? The Gloryland Grapes? I remember that song? His real name. He's Captain Hook. Captain Hook. He had one arm, one leg missing. He's a motorcycle guy. Ran, came around a car and the truck hit him. Had to take one arm, one leg off. He was a pirate. He came to do our children's yeah, ministry. He became a Christian. He had a pirate ministry. Had a pirate ministry. He's not a real pirate. Not a real pirate. Ah, <laughs> mighty. <laughs> I liked him. He liked me. But his wife had a teaching called Psalmonex. Psalmonex. Out of the Psalms. That's what I'm teaching you a little bit. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will lay me down in peace and sleep. You're not going to lay down and be angry. You're not going to lay down and worry. How are we going to pay that car payment? Well, you need to get up and pray the Bible and get with God and get all that settled before you lay down because you're not going to have peace if you're worried about stuff. I will lay me down in peace and sleep for thou, Lord, only makes me dwell in safety. I don't think there's anything wrong with locking your doors. And if you like weapons, have all you want. I don't have a problem with that. Do what you want to do. But I'm just saying my security comes from this scripture right here. Verse 8. Just talking to you here. All right, let's look at look ahead to something else. Proverbs three. I like this scripture real good. Proverbs three twenty four. Hallelujah. See, there's something for everything that you can imagine, 
in the Bible. You may not know the answer right now. I might not even know where something's at if you ask me a bizarre question, but I mean, it's in here somewhere. Proverbs 3, 24. I like this scripture. When you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. I remember when I, my, well, Diane and I first got married, you know, I'd been a drug addict and a drug dealer and I had weapons back then and I sold all my weapons, got rid of them. And I had a baseball bat under my bed because I was afraid. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was afraid. And I thought maybe some ex-drug dealer might find out where I was at. And one night the kitchen window broke in and I jumped up and got the ball bat. You remember that, honey? I sure did. Yeah, we ran, I ran in there like that and I was ready to deck somebody in the head. If they stuck their head through it, it was our horse. <laughs> Bunny. Her name was Bunny. She stuck her rear end up against the window because it was raining. She, it was a storm. It was a storm. She backed into the window with her butt. And then she turned around and put her head up there. I said, oh, Bunny. I don't have bats anymore. In my garage, I got them. I don't sleep with them. Just trying to help you see something here. When you lie down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. See, claim these scriptures for yourself and begin to, you know, meditate on them and talk to the Father about them. And you go look them up in a different translation. Let's quickly go to, I'm going to move ahead. I had other things, but this is sufficient. Worry. You don't want to live in worry. And Psalm 138, uh, verse 8, I, didn't, I don't know what it says in this. I was going to bring another translation, but I didn't have to want to bring 14 translations. 138, verse 8, I think. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the work of your own hand. Talking about himself. The Lord will perfect that which concerns us. Listen, we don't have to be full of worry. I was in St. Petersburg, Russia, and we did a big meeting there in uh, what used to be Leningrad. It's St. Petersburg now. And Lennon used to preach in this big, huge hall we preached in. I'll never forget it. And we were coming down the steps. There was about 10 preachers. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared to one of the preachers, and he was crying. And he told this preacher, he said, you tell my preachers and the body of Christ, they're not doing well because they have so much worry in their life. That's why I'm not able to help them. Now you think about that. Jesus appeared to somebody in my group. And when we got downstairs and we got all composed for a minute, he told us what the Lord said and the power of God hit us. We went flying and we were laying on the floor downstairs in the green room. It was about 10 of us preachers about Jesus crying over that. So listen, we need to not worry. Let's go to Philippians 4. Pick up a couple of scriptures real quick here. And then I'm going to get to the last one, which is depression. Uh, Philippians 4. And of course, you know, I could give you 15 more, but I don't have time right now. But Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing. I think the Amphite says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Here's thanksgiving coming back up and prayer being mentioned. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, not the peace of man, the peace of God, <laughs> which passes all understanding. It just means it passes human understanding. His peace passes human understanding. Somebody say, you got enough money in the bank, you're, you're good. That doesn't make you good. You know, it doesn't make you have peace. It, it helps some. Money helps. But that doesn't help everything for your life because you may have other issues that are tearing your life up besides money that money can't pay to fix. 
So he says, and the peace of God, which passes all natural understanding, shall keep your hearts. And really the word keep there in the Greek is guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. It's like guards around a castle. That's literally the meaning of that word keep. And then it says, verse 8 is another scripture we can look at. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever are honest, whatever are just, whatever are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or power, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Yes. See, I'm supposed to be thinking on these things that add up to what this scripture tells me there, and not letting worry permeate my being. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about, you know, preachers, they're worried about, well, if somebody leaves the church. Well, what of it? Somebody new comes to church. Well, praise God. You know, we're not hung up on, I'm not competing with other preachers in this city. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So there's no reason to worry. What about the money? Well, what about it? I'm doing my part and then some. So I just know I'm doing what I need to do to move ahead with him. And I believe many of you are doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I never think about the money. When I'm on a trip, I, you can ask Donna, even when I pastored here for 30-some years, I never called her on Monday and said, how much came in? That is stupid. I don't act like that. I didn't act like that when I didn't know as much as I know today. I just knew not to worry about it. You ever worry anymore? I don't worry about anything. I've determined I'm not worried about nothing. I made a covenant with God about 12 years ago. I'm not worried about nothing anymore. Well, if you pray for somebody and they fall over dead, I'm going to say, next. And that's the way I feel about it. I'm not being rude to the person that passed. I'll bury them, have a nice funeral, say nice things about them if I can. But I'm not going to let that deter me from helping the rest of you that want to live. Amen. Quit worrying. Amen. You don't understand. No, you don't understand what I'm teaching. Quit worrying. It's tearing up your faith life. Yes. You don't have to have a lot of them. Just one worry will drive you crazy if you let it. It deters your mind. It gets you distracted. Then you can't concentrate on the answers. Concentrate on the answers. Concentrate on what God's Word says to you. Hallelujah. Is this a Passion Bible? No? Okay. New Living. Okay. Let's talk for just a minute. I mean, I preached about an hour. How about depression? Let's talk about that just for a second here. Isaiah 55, 53 it will just take a second. I guarantee you, just take a second. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 from the Amplified Bible. I'm talking about depression. Listen, we don't need to be depressed. <laughs> we just don't need to be depressed. Are you listening to me? Okay, just talking to you here. Now let's look here at Isaiah 50, 53 and verse 5 from the Amplified Translation. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Notice that the chastisement needed to obtain peace and well-being came to me because Jesus bore it for us. So I don't need to be depressed. He, he bore it all. Everything in the curse Jesus bore for us, it's in Isaiah 53, and he took it away. You got to get used to thinking about it. He took it away. He took it away. He took it away. And if it gets close to me, then I have to rebuke that. If something comes that I know is sickness, yes. I rebuke it and say, in Jesus' name, you don't belong to me. I'm delivered from you. I'm redeemed from the curse of the law and you're part of it. So get your stuff and get out of here. And if I need help, I go to the doctor. You need me to say that? Listen, don't be silly. 
If you need some help, get some help. That's all. I'm, but I'm trying to show you about depression. Look at, look at Isaiah 60, verse 1. I'm reading from the Amplified, and I'll be done with this scripture. Arise from the depression, verse 1, Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life since the, ra- the radiant, and be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and dense darkness all peoples, but the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen on you. So this says, I ought to rise up out of depression. If I have it, I ought to rise up against it. Because the glory's here and the light's here. So anyway... You find the scriptures that cover your case and the word has all the answers that you need. I said this in a meeting a while back. I said, you know, I didn't know a thing about healing and I had all kinds of questions about every scripture I found that I thought I didn't have an answer for. God would answer me before it was all over and show me that God was a healer and that this scripture was misinterpreted. And I dug and dug and researched and found... Every question I've ever had about it, God showed me the answer. Every question. I had a lot of them. Are you listening? (laughs) Yeah. So we're talking about these things because these are things that affect our life. And you, you know, maybe I didn't hit your particular bell or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know what everybody's triggers are. But I'm just saying, I just did that as an illustration. You get you a little concordance, $20, a Strong's or Young's. Go to a Bible bookstore, you order online, Amazon or something. I don't know how you do all that now. But, and just look up stuff. If you need joy, look up joy and read all the scriptures about joy in your Bible. And some of those scriptures will jump off the pages onto you. Yeah. And start giving you joy. Like joy or peace or strength or stability, whatever it is you want. Look it up and then find the scriptures that indicate that. You get anything today? Praise God, I did. I'm just preaching to myself. And you. (laughs) Father, we just thank you. Let's stand up together. Father, we just thank you for delivering us and ministering to us through your word today. We're so grateful that you have us figured out and you have answers for all of us individually, personally, whatever the things are that try to beset us or try to uh, harass us. You have the answers for that. And we thank you, Father. We are redeemed from the curse of the law. We're delivered from every evil work. We thank you. We've been delivered from the hand of the enemy. And we say we're redeemed. And you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. Therefore, we live in life. We live in peace. We live in joy. We live in strength. We live in the here and now by faith every day. Every day we can live by faith. And every day we covenant with you that we're going to be faith people. We're going to be word and spirit people who love your word and love your spirit more than anything else in this world. The other things in this world will have nothing by comparison to your word and your spirit in our life. And we thank you for it and we believe you for it. I speak a blessing over all the people here today. I speak a blessing over their families, over their marriages, over their children, over their grandchildren. I pray a blessing over their homes or their apartments or wherever they live. I pray blessing over their vehicles. I pray blessing over where they work, that they will just uh, continue to be poured out upon them, the Spirit of God in favor, that somebody's anointed to help them in every avenue of their life, that they have divine favor from you, Father. 
And we're walking in this earth in the light of the word. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and your sufficiency that strengthens us today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the angels of God go with you to take you safely to your destination. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Have a great day.